you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is the Signs of the Times special podcast from Joshua Nations. An ongoing healthy conversation between normal people, ministers, and missionaries about what is going on around the world. Is prophecy being fulfilled? And what should we do about it? Good evening, everybody. Good to have you on here this evening again. Um, well, what is a, a plan if you can't change it, or a mind if you can't change it, I guess? Um, since uh, we don't have all our other guests on tonight, and we only have uh, Chris and Gary and Jonathan on tonight, uh, I figured we'd change it up a little bit. And uh, this week, there's been a lot of things, if you watch the news and if you keep track of the news and what's going on, there's a lot going on about rumors of war and uh, wars going on. We've got uh, China and Taiwan, that looks like that's starting to be a hotbed. Russia and Ukraine is already going. I saw, uh, did I see Armenia? Anybody want to help me out? Armenia, mm -hmm. that looks like they're wanting to do or getting to war. Uh, Africa's got wars all over all the time. We've been living, Gary and I, since the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s with Africa. There's always been wars and rumors of wars. Mm -hmm. So this is nothing new to us. And then um, just with all of this going on, um, uh, there's a lot going on about just people talking about the Gog-Magog wars. and. Uh, I'd like to just delve into that here for a little bit. And uh, Gary, can you maybe give us some background? What What is the whole thing about Gog Magog? And, and what's the war going on? And people are saying uh, Russia, Iran, Turkey, and all those names float around. And so what what's the deal with Gog Magog? Well, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to go into all the details on that, but it is the war that just precedes the rapture, I think, I believe. And so um, now I'm not speculating or anything, but that's way, the way I understand it. There is a war prior to that, which is the um, Psalm 30, is it 33 or 38? I forget, but... 83, 83. 83, there you go. I'm a little yeah. dyslexic. Um, yeah, and that, that's the hook. You know, that's the hook that's going to pull all these nations listed in Ezekiel regarding Gog and Magog into the fray, into that, that war. So I think, um, you know, from a prophetic standpoint, biblical standpoint, if we see that begin to develop, you know, time's running out. That's my opinion. Um, the world is, I think I mentioned last last week uh, or the week before, the world is not governed by presidents and prime ministers and, um, you know, senates and all that kind of thing. The world is now governed by prophecy. It's out of the control of leaders now. And they just, they just literally going down the path prophetically 
um, you know, nothing can stop it now. You know, and again, I, I don't want to raise the idea that it's going to be happening soon, but it does show us uh, it, there are signs that this war is now developing. Every day there's rhetoric and and statements from all the parties in the in the Middle East that are really antagonistic and and indicating real real war, not just. You know, Israel's had wars in the past, but I mean, this is a big one, you know. And um, so, I mean, you know, then of course you've got all the other things that are converging at the same time, the great resets that's scheduled and all these other things, um, the, the, the toppling of the Judeo-Christian value system and this... Uh, woke values, false value system that they're replacing it with. Um, you know, if you put all these things together in one basket, it does look very, very, uh, it's very clear that something is happening, something significant is happening. Chris, do you want to jump in here and uh, give your two or three cents worth? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Gary. If you do a study, I think it's like Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, mm -hmm. even into 39, uh, you can see, uh, and you have to do your study because the when the prophecy was made in Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit and God was giving Ezekiel the names of the countries that Ezekiel would recognize, that would be familiar with. So what you have to do is you have to overlay the ancient map and the names of the countries in Ezekiel, and you got to kind of match them up to the modern day countries now. And Americans kind of have trouble with that because we're a one language people. So Americans are like, oh, if that's the name, that's the name. And if you call it something different, then then Americans kind of have a little culturally, we have a little bit more trouble with that. I know you guys in South Africa are usually multilingual. So you get a understanding that different things have different names in different languages and mm -hmm. so you really kind of you have to study and you have to overlay those ancient names on a map overlay it on a modern map and when you do that you find out like everything else in prophecy everything else in the word of god is just pinpoint accurate with zero zero percent error mm -hmm. and what Gary's talking about is you can see the alliances coming together with Russia and with Turkey and with Iran. And then Iran has its little proxies, you know, uh, Hamas and all these little terror groups that are around Israel. And when you move into Psalm 83, and again, you take the ancient names and the geographical area of those people and you overlay it on a modern map. It just matches up perfectly. You can see the Psalm 83 war, the, those alliances coming together. And it appears, of course, we're speculating and we're just talking and we're doing our best to, you know, look up and, and wait for uh, Jesus to rapture us or return or whatever. Um, and so you, the, the Psalm 83, after that war is over, it's kind of the setup for Ezekiel the, the Ezekiel 36 war. And like yeah. Gary said, as a Christian, again, it's that thing where you need to look up 
and you need to take notice because it looks like and it appears what I see, what Gary sees, and what most of us see through studying scripture is that Ezekiel war is right around the time that the rapture or the taking away of the church is going to take place. It's, it's right in there. So in other words, if we're close to the Ezekiel war and we're seeing the alliances form and take shape as a Christian, it's, it's exciting because then you can say, well, the rapture or the taking away meeting Jesus in the clouds is also very close. I need to get ready because it, it could take place soon. And it, like Gary said, you know, you need to have that caveat. We're going to be ready all the time. It could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. But you know what? It doesn't have to be 30 years from now either. You can look at it on the other side. Maybe it is going to be three years from now. Maybe it's going to be five years or next year or whenever. But the point still remains as a Christian, get excited and always, always be ready. Chris, could you uh, could you just touch on um, maybe that, uh, uh, what's it, Psalm uh, 58, which was it? Psalm 83. Psalm 83, <laughs> sorry, I'm also this Dixit like Gary here. Um, uh, <laughs> that, that Psalm 83, what... what what are you kind of, what are you guys referring to there? There's a there's a prophecy in there that talks about a war and it's it's actually kind of a short psalm. Uh, I don't know, do you want me to read it? Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Let's let's read it and uh, Okay, yeah. I mean, it's 18 verses, so it's not that long. Okay. So it's Psalm 83. Um uh, I hope I hope I'm getting the right one. I think I am. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. Yes, I am in the correct song. <laughs> yeah. So here's the here's the prophecy. Uh, for the enemies around Israel are starting to spark up. They're making a a, a, a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. That is just right out of the headlines when you look at Iran's uh, surrogate armies and terrorist groups and Iran themselves, that's what they continue to say is we want to cut off Israel and make it so that Israel no longer exists. Mm -hmm. Verse five, for they have consulted together with one count with one consent. They are confederate against thee. that. And here's the people groups, the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarines, Gebal, and Ammon, and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Asher also is joined with them. They have, I'm reading the King James, sorry guys. I haven't heard, I haven't seen this one in the King James. They have hopen the, the children of Lot, or they have helped the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin, at the brook of Kaisan, which perished at Endor, 
they became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb. Yes, all their princes as Zeba and as Zalmunna, who said, Let us take to ourselves ourselves the houses of God in possession. O oh my God, make them like a wheel as the stubble before the wind, as the fir burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with, the, with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. And what he's referencing there is those uh, people that had come against Israel in the past. I believe it's in the, in the book of Joshua or Judges. When those people mentioned in that psalm uh, came against Israel, they were so defeated and so wiped out and suffered such a devastating victory, uh, defeat that they never again came against Israel during during the those contemporary times. So what this psalm is saying is as those surrogates of Iran get together and conspire together to come and attack Israel, that when they do that, that they are going to be defeated so, so bad. It's going to be such a devastating defeat that those terrorist groups will never again try to come and fight against Israel. Prisoner, and that's so all that's, that's all good and well. Um, let me just be devil's advocate yeah. here for a little bit. Go ahead, go ahead. Why are you guys saying uh, that this is for a war that's to come? It, I mean, that's Old Testament. Isn't David, uh, whoever's writing that psalm, isn't, aren't they referencing a war that has taken place? Why are you, why are you kind of saying that it's going to be in the future? Gary, if you want to answer, Chris... Uh, I really don't yeah. care. Go but. ahead, Gary. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I'm, look, I'm not an expert on, on eschatology or at least Bible prophecy. I'm just a ordinary guy that's beginning to see things begin to happen. Um, and I think uh, it's kind of like Chris. I mean, we've seen these things happen and, and there's these prophecies in the Bible, you know, by the way, prophecy does repeat itself a number of times at certain times. It's not a stagnant one-time thing, but, but it's, it's so obvious because it's talking about, for example, uh, Philistinia, which is basically Gaza, and, um, and all the others, if you look on a map, I think I sent you uh, a little map today, um, Willie, uh, Willie. And, uh, and, and it's basically, it's people groups, it's organizations that are plotting against Israel to destroy Israel. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't have an answer to you whether that's strictly for something that happened before, but I'm certainly seeing it happening now. Well, yeah, the, the prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet. Mm. Because in that prophecy, those, it, it's referencing those people groups that came against Israel and they never came against Israel again. Mm. So what Psalm 83 is saying is when 
these groups are conspiring to go in to take Israel that they'll be defeated so horribly that they'll never attack Israel again. So just the fact that those people groups in that psalm currently are getting together and conspiring to attack Israel lets you know that that prophecy has not been fulfilled yet. Yeah. That's that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I just send it on to uh, to Jonathan and he's posting it up there uh, if he can. Uh, that little um, map that, that you sent me. Uh, and, and the reason I'm asking, and, and I know we're, we're all just trying to figure it out here, and if anybody tells me that they're an expert on the end times, then I'll, I don't know. Um, I'll take it with a, with a uh, how do you say? A pinch of salt. So, a grain of salt. Thank you, uh, Lindy, from the other side. Um, so, um, because I don't, I don't think anybody have, can have it figured out. We've seen so many people uh, in the 80s, especially South Africa, that um, that said day and dates, and uh, Jesus has come three or four times. I just had a conversation with one of my friends about just the signs of the times and where we're at. And the first thing that he referenced was these books that were in the 80s and 90s written in South Africa where they gave day and date. And uh, it, it didn't come to pass uh, that uh, people were, um, that Jesus came on those dates. So I think that's one of the things that, that got people disinterested um, in uh, eschatology and in times. But uh, for me, it was... Uh, the COVID and the shutdowns and the world coming into one um, accord for the first time in history that I think we saw these things um, starting to happen and, and the great conversion and the prophecy of uh, can, a nation, can a, a nation be formed in a day and, and then Chris and I started having some of these conversations so that's just my reference about um, these uh, prophecies and the God Magog war, and it's—I I don't want to get into fear mongering because that's also a conversation that I had um, that somebody was uh, worried or scared. Him and his uh, um, family were sitting in in actually um, Scott's church, and uh, he referenced something that that made them scared, and I said, "But it's not fear based." And I don't think that eschatology should be fear-based, especially if you're a Christian. And that's something that Chris and I talk a lot about. Mm. That it's not yeah. that it's not fear-based. Go ahead, Gary. No, I you know I think we're looking. I suppose from a watching perspective, we're looking for that war that the Antichrist will make peace with. You know, and I think that war is looming. Because lived in Israel, been there during some of their turmoil as well. Uh, this is bigger than you can imagine. This is, you know, I mean, they've gone through some stuff, but this is a big one. This is nuclear war. This is, I mean, they, they're not much bigger than North Idaho, you know. And, uh, and all these people are threatening to wipe them off the planet. You know, and um, so 
So, so this is a big one. This is a big challenge. I mean, when we say wars, rumors of wars, we're always looking at it from somewhere else. But uh, whatever happens in Israel could affect the whole world. You know, you know, we think about China and Taiwan in terms of a world war, even Russia and the Ukraine. But I think Israel and Iran and possibly Russia and Turkey, whoever they are, I mean, that's a big one because these people are determined to wipe the Jews off the planet. And we saw that in that, that psalm, that prophetic word. They want to literally destroy Israel openly. You know, they're not just fighting for some territory. So this is a, possibly the war that peace will come out of, but then the tribulation obviously will, you know, follow after that. So if that is the case, then it's not a question of fear. It's a question of joy. It's a yeah. blessed assurance. It's a blessed hope. You know, it's not a curse. You know, this is an exciting time. We're going to possibly meet the Lord. Maybe all of us, before we grow old and die one day, we might actually see the Lord coming. This is not an impossibility anymore. You know. Yeah, that was a big thing for me. I, I always thought that it was for the next generation. I, I never thought that it would be my generation. It would have been for my kids or, or their children's children. And, and uh, then, like I said, after COVID, it's like, nope, I, I think I see things happening that I didn't think I would see happening in my lifetime. So, and then mm -hmm. Gary, of course, there's a lot of turmoil in Israel itself right now in their political system. They, they're, they're going through a bunch of stuff too. And I think there's a prophecy concerning that, that there's going to be that disunity and they, they won't be able to forge a government. I, I can't remember where it was, but I'll look it up and send it to you guys. There's a word of concerning that. And it was, um, it was when Netanyahu I can't pronounce his name always, but when he had to stand down, he couldn't form a government, and they tried to form another government, and they just couldn't get that act together, and still can't, to be honest. And that's prophesied are, are, as well. Are you talking about the prophecy? And I, I, I'm, I may be off on this. Just let me know, Gary. Are you talking about the one prophecy when it says they're trying to divide up Israel? That I can't God doesn't allow the government to form because they're trying to divide up Israel into parts. No, Is that I, what I you're alluding to, or am I off? No, I don't think so. But I'll have I'll have a look. I'll, you know, again, I'm not um, a professor of this kind of thing, but uh, but I recall that prophetic word that really spoke into that. The, the, the government can't seem to get together if there's a disunity in the government. And so we've seen, it's not just the war, it's all the other details that are taking place around this possible war as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and, and that's some of the stuff that Chris and I have been talking about, and Lindy, my wife, um, just the time frame of all of this, Chris, if I, and, I, and I know I don't want you to necessarily give us the years and try and put that together, um, but just... Uh, I think one of the things that you and I spoke about is, um, can a nation be formed in a day? If you can, if you can just speak to that a little bit. So I, I believe you're talking about after World War II in uh, 1948 when, when Israel was formed. 
And when you really look into, you know, forget the prophecy and, and the Bible and religion and all that, if you just go to the straight history of how it was formed, there actually was uh, some of the world leaders after World War II really had some resistance to allowing Israel to actually form its own nation. And you can see, like Gary talks about, how the governments were, were uh, controlled by prophecy. It was almost like any leader of any country that wasn't getting on board with allowing the Jews to have their own country was removed, uh, suddenly died, uh, take, their power was taken away, and it just all kind of moved to where there was a couple guys and they said and they signed the paper and said okay i believe it was the president of the united states at the time uh because remember the the first president died and he became uh he became president and he asked it would have been truman i believe right yeah 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 truman and truman. and truman actually as far as world leaders go truman was a little different because he he had grown up with the heart and something in his spirit for Jews and for bringing about the nation. And he was actually the, the camel that broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back and, you know, signed the papers and said, yes, we're going to make um, Israel a nation. And so the prophecy literally, it, 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 again, there's, it, it's so specific and 0% error so it literally became a nation in a day because there was all kinds of struggle and turmoil and arguments and disagreements. And then there was finally just one day where, boom, the papers were signed. Everybody agreed on it, uh, probably because of the influence and the power of the United States coming after World War II. And it was a done deal, literally in a day, just like the Bible said. And so the cool thing is, is when you look back at the history and... And we as Christians, I know Gary's done this, John, and we've all done this. When you see these past prophecies that have been fulfilled so specifically yeah. and so accurately, then when you start looking at, at the events that are about to come up, like Psalm 83 and the Ezekiel War, you get excited because you're like, if God can do all those other prophecies... Why wouldn't he do all these others just like he said he was going to do? And he is going to do them exactly like he said he's going to do. And we as imperfect human beings, sometimes we can't see it exactly how God's going to do it. But we can get an idea and and we can get on board. And again, basically, all our job to do is to look up and be ready. And I think, and I wanted to, when you talked about fear, Vili, and I just wanted to ask the question, and it may seem like a mean question or maybe a silly question, but it's not. It, sometimes you have to ask the hard questions, and I'd like to get your guys' perspective on it. When people say that they're fearful as a Christian, are they fearful because they know they're not ready? Are they fearful because now it's not a religion or something you play on Sunday and Wednesday night? It's becoming a little bit too real. Or maybe are they fearful because they don't understand that they don't have to be? You know, it's that the the first Thessalonians chapter four, the rapture verse, 
where it says, comfort yourself, that you're going to be raptured, that you're going to be with Jesus, that you and your loved ones that have gone before you are going to be together and you're going to be with Jesus always from then for eternity. So comfort yourselves with these words. So I don't know if it's maybe because there has been such a misunderstanding and rapture controversy. Christians aren't understanding it. Or, you know, it's probably a little bit of all of it. But, but again, sometimes fear, not always, but sometimes fear can be a good motivator. So if you are fearful because you're not ready, you know, maybe it's time to get ready. But I'd like to get your, your guys' thoughts on that. Well, <clears throat> I, I think the church is probably not quite ready. And that's maybe a manifestation that partly because of the absence of healthy, consistent narrative and teaching on this subject, partly because of that. It's, it's suddenly coming upon them, and it's, it's overwhelming. Um, but I think there's a spiritual dimension to that. I, I mentioned that last time I was with you guys, that you know, the kingdom of God has come. And uh, we really are permanent residents in the kingdom of God, not really in this world. We're in this world, but not of this world. And I think that, um, uh, you know, spiritual shift has to take place in the church. Because at, yeah, the, yeah. at the end of the day, I, you know, Christ lives in, in me, the Holy Spirit lives in me, um, you know, Pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will. His will be done. And I think that shift has to take place so that this becomes a joy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's, like, it's like this is what I live for. This is, you know, I live that when I die, I'd be with Jesus. But I also lived hoping, that blessed hope, that he would come, that I don't have to die to be with him, you know. Yeah. Um, so, and it's hard because they get scared. I talk about this and I don't talk about it in a sort of conspiracy context. I, you know what I mean? The, the end of the world is coming, you know, get ready. Um, it's, this is an exciting event. This is what everybody for generations has been waiting for. And we need to be ready. Now, if it, like you say, if it's not going to happen now, it doesn't matter. We can stay ready. You know, we've always meant to be at the ready, not, okay, well, it's not going to happen, so we'll sort of carry on in our, you know, everyday life. Um, so there has to be that transition. And so I'm teaching guys all over the world, let's, let's, let's take that, that spiritual shift, you know, that revelatory shift. Let's make that now. And let's begin to live as, as if we are in the kingdom already. And then we sift everything through that. We live in this world, and we try and sift the kingdom of God. Then it's piecemealing. We're sort of taking little bits and pieces, trying to make it work for us. It has to change. That dynamic has to change. And uh, so I think it's a spiritual thing. That fear. Um, it's. I, I'm not surprised. I, I really like what you just said, um, Gary, um, and. Uh, it's, it's the same, uh, Chris had to do a, a funeral, his, his father-in-law's funeral the other day, and um, he used the scripture that 
where Paul says, when a Christian dies, we're actually moving from death into life. And, and I think, again, in the church, it's just our teachings that have been wrong. If, we, if people can realize, and of course it's not nice to, to stay behind, and for those who are, who, who, who are left behind when somebody dies, it's traumatic and there's a lot of pain and a lot of um, uh, just um, associated with that. But once you realize that the word says you are passing from death into life, I think it's the same thing with, with the end times and all these things that are coming at, at us. It should be exciting. I mean, I'm not looking forward that uh, we're going to go through rough times. Um, in South Africa, we've gone through rough times and people are worried about stuff that's happening over here. And Lindy and I just looking at one another and we're like, man, we, we've seen this before. so. Uh, it's not something that we're really worried about right now. I'm still going to go ahead and buy a vehicle. If the opportunity arises, I'm still going to buy a house. You know, it, it, it's all just earthly things that are going to pass away. Um, but it should not be anything that um, that we're scared of and and that is fear driven. And I think that's been uh, eschatology's big problem in the past. That it's been fear driven. So, Jonathan, did you want to say something? Ask something. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, um, thank you. I, I, I really like what you guys have said about this, and it's really made me think. Um, but just to kind of throw my two cents in, I, I, I can really see how the church has just become complacent um, in the past or now. Um, and it's funny, the people in my life that I know that are studying the Bible that are reading every day and that are just doing the simple things to kind of maintain their faith, they see what you guys are talking about. They see these end time things coming. Whereas people that I know in my life that are just kind of floating along, um, you talk to them about it and they're like, oh, that's, no, that's that's not now. That's not happening right now. Or they see something happening. They just don't understand what it is. And I think those people are the ones that have more fear in their life. At, at least in my experience, they have more fear in their life than the ones who are uh, maintaining a, what I would consider like just even a basic proper relationship like being in the word every day praying every day um being around a lot of other believers and stuff i also see um the teaching in the church especially to young people today is really like left there's a huge gap so that young like kids today they're they're having to deal with all of these extra things um in their lives and what but they're not seeing what we're talking about as far as the end times. So when they see something happening, like the rumors of wars, and and um, it really makes me uh, sad for the kids, especially here in America, who who have never really had hard times until just recently, we're having more hard times. And they're not really, I, I feel like adults in a lot of times the church are failing them in a sense and not giving them the tools that they need in order to um, understand what's happening. Jonathan, um, you haven't said much on the podcast and stuff since you've been on, and you and I have had some conversations on the side. Um, just give us your perspective on the podcast, because 
all this stuff is pretty new to you. You you haven't you don't come from an era where all this has been taught, and uh, you were pretty excited about the podcast when we started off. So just if you could just give us an overview of your thoughts on what we've been talking about. What have you learned um, since since we've been talking about everything? I, I'm, I just just want to see what's going on in your mind since you're the generation that doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first thing I need to say for me personally is hearing you guys talk about this gives me a lot of hope, honestly. Um, not just understanding a little bit more that, you know, God had a plan for the end of time. His plan looks like in some areas it's coming to fruition, but these are the things that you can be looking for. And um, it really has given me a lot of hope to like, you know, God's got this. He knows what's going to happen. Life may get uncomfortable. Life may get where, you know, there may be Christians that are killed in the future, but God's got Mm -hmm. this. And in the end, we really, we win or God wins. Um, And I want to be on his team. And I've talked to Billy before about um, somebody just mentioned the 10 uh, virgins that Jesus comes back to. And at the end there, he he gave the parable where five of them were ready to go. And five of them weren't. weren't. Um, and I'll bring up the, the scripture for that a little bit in a Matthew little bit. Matthew 25. But, um, we've talked about it before. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and, you know, I've been a Christian for a great majority of my life. Um, but there's been times when I haven't doubted my salvation, but I've doubted that I'm ready to go. Um, if that makes, that makes sense. perfect like, sense. I need to make sure that, that makes I'm, perfect sense. Jonathan. I want to make sure that I I want to make sure that I have the oil in my lamp at this proper time and being ready to go. And if that means getting, you know, taking care of stuff in my life, if that means making sure my family is, is taken care of or whatever that means, um, I want to be there and, and just being on here and being able to hear you guys and the wisdom that you all have. Cause like this panel has every week I'm learning something new and something super incredible. And I'm humbled um, that I'm able to be on here, but I'm very thankful to be able to hear what you guys are saying. And, um, originally I came to this podcast as somebody like who hasn't studied this for a great long period or hasn't studied as much as you guys have on this on this subject but um, I'm very thankful that I've been on here and, and to be able to hear your all's perspective and the things that you've learned and how to, how you're applying them to what we're seeing t- in the world today and it's just been it's been really good and encouraging that that would be the that would be my biggest thing that I've taken from the podcast is so, uh, so just encouraging people would so, enjoy these podcasts. Do you think it's informative the way we're doing it? Very much, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, you can take it in two different ways. Either you don't want to hear this because it's your it'll make you uncomfortable and and uh, you know you want to kind of hide, stick your head in the sand and hide, or you can understand the things that are happening in the world in a through the lens of God's word. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people talking about um, in the world, in education, people are looking at things from a framework. Well, our framework is the word of God. And if we look at what's happening in the world through the framework of the word of God, um, things just kind of become aligned and we see the truth of what God is doing right now. And I believe, uh, I, I believe that you know, all of the pieces kind of coming together and all the different things and all the wisdom that you guys have um, has been very helpful for me to understand and put pieces together that I haven't had, that I haven't put together before. Thank you, Jonathan. So, yeah. Thank you. Good to have you on here. 
Um, so in closing, we've been going for almost uh, 40 minutes here. Uh, Chris, uh, with what Jonathan has said and what we've talked about, um, what would be your last thoughts uh, for this evening? Well, Jonathan gave me a word that I've been looking for for about a year now. Framework. Thank you, Jonathan. Because <laughs> you try to describe yeah. this stuff and like what you're trying to do, that that's another word yeah. that I can use. Thank you for that. I, I in closing, I was just thinking. Uh, Gary sparked something in me when he talked about making the transition from you know being. Uh, in the world but not of the world you know like making that transition from always being preoccupied with what's going on in the world and how maybe some Christians who are fearful haven't quite made that transition yet and the way I kind of look at it uh, I, I did dignitary protection you know for presidents mayors kings whatever and I've kind of seen how authority and how the government authority works and everything. And quite honestly, I, I will, Jesus is above all governments. We know that as a Christian, Jesus is the name above all names. The whole world is under his feet. He is the ultimate authority physically, spiritually, however you want to look at it. Jesus is the authority. So knowing what I know about how governments and rulers work and how their their power or their authority is applied in the world, I truly honestly see myself as a dignitary or as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. That's how I really picture myself. Mm-hmm. So when I walk into a place, knowing that Jesus has authority and control, like Jonathan was saying, he got out of this podcast, over everything, when I walk into a place, I really see myself as, the, as a dignitary for the kingdom. Like I'm there as an, as an ambassador, and I take that into every area of life. And you can call me crazy, And you can say that I'm living in a fantasy world or whatever, but yet the king of Zambia's son is staying at my house. Me and Vili um, have gone into governor's offices and prayed. We've gone into chiefs of police offices and prayed. Uh, We're we're going to go to Africa, and the army in that nation is going to come out and escort us from, you know, nothing that me and Vili did just through circumstances that the Holy Spirit and the kingdom had worked out. Because as we go into a nation, into a country, Jesus has authority over that, and we are his representative. And when Gary was talking, I I think that's the transition the Christians have to make. That wherever we go, in our family, in 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 our job, in whatever we're doing, God has ultimate authority over that, and we are God's representative, and we need to walk in that power and that authority and have faith in that and just take that on to ourselves. And, of course, not for us. I'm, I'm nothing. But, you know, only for the glory of God, for the, to raise up the name of Jesus and for the glory of the kingdom. And, that, and, and that's what 
when Gary was speaking kind of sparked in me. And I don't know if Christians have really made that transition and walked in their identity and their uh, power and their authority as a Christian, as a representative of Jesus Christ. Mm. Gary, your last thoughts. And- yeah, yeah. concerning the fear, let's, let's go back very quickly. Uh, in Romans 8, Paul says, you know, who, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation, pestilence, and of course he lists just about anything and go wrong for us. I, I, I like the way I, the translators use the word who and not what. I would have put what was separated. But I think we take life personally. We take our problems very personally. And I think that's an indicator that uh, we're not looking to God for all things working to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I think we're trying to piecemeal this, this what so-called imaginary world, the kingdom of God. We're trying to piecemeal that into our life to make our life better. And we think that's what it's all about. It's not. It's all about Him, His will, why He created me. Not what I get because I'm saved, but what I do for Him because I'm saved. And I think that has to shift in the church. That mentality, you're right, Chris, has to shift in the church. Then the kingdom becomes everything, and the rapture and all these other things that might be taking place here before us become a joy. It's because I'm part of that. Yes, I'm living out my life, but every moment of my life is spiritually intentional for Him. It's not just when I go to church or when I, you know what I mean? or when I go to a prayer meeting or something, every single encounter, every single experience in my life is spiritually intentional. You know, I walk past a person and I look at them. There is, that's not coincidence when we're living in the kingdom of God. So, so we, we literally live our lives for Him. That's what needs to happen in the church. And it's preparing us for a great harvest. It's preparing us for the, the blessed hope. It's preparing us to be the body of Christ. I mean, that is powerful. That we're, whatever God's doing, whatever Jesus is doing in earth, we're part of that. I mean, that's a big responsibility. It's not just me and my little life here. And God's not answering my prayers and think I haven't given my breakthroughs yet. Why? And don't talk to me about the end times. It's too overwhelming. There's a reason for all that. And the reason is we've not made that shift. Mm. And I think it's just a decision. I think it's just a person has to get to a place where, okay, I am living now. Pack my bags. I'm going to now permanently reside in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be here in this earth. I'm going to live my life, but that's my permanent residence. I love it. I'm ready to get saved. Are you giving an altar call, Gary? I'm, I just got no, saved. No. Just now. <laughs> that Amen. was awesome. Amen. <laughs> One thing that I really appreciate, even when Scott and uh, Sam Douglas and, uh, and, and Jason is on here, uh, which they're not tonight, is 
it always seems to our conversations seem to come back to the church and to the Christian life. And I, and I think that's why this is so important. And just again, for those listening, we don't know. We're also, we're all just like Gary said, we're just guys trying to figure it out. We're reading our Bible. We're looking at the signs of the times and uh, we're all looking and we're waiting for that trumpet, that last trumpet that is going to call us all up. And, and, and it's just up to us to keep our, uh, like Jonathan said, keep your oil lamps full, you know, stay in the word, love Jesus and uh, reach out to those around you and, and make sure that they don't stay behind when, when that time comes. Because there is an end of an age coming and we do need to be ready for that so gentlemen thank you for your time this evening god bless you guys and uh we'll see you again next week um bye-bye this was the signs of the times podcast from joshua nations we hope you enjoy dig deeper into the word of god through this time and share this with your friends Follow us online at joshuanations.org, also on Facebook and Instagram.